Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Well, let's begin in the book of Ruth. If you have your Bible with you, please turn there. We're in chapter one. I want to talk a little bit this weekend about the question, is this the end of the road? Last week, Pastor Rod kicked us off with uh, an amazing message around the background and the context of Ruth, which helps us understand further uh, moving forward with what is happening in the book. And, you know, a couple things that I took away from last week's message uh, was, first of all, Pastor Rod talked about that God uses circumstances to bring about his will, and that was super insightful. But the second uh, takeaway was really stuck with me this week, and that is that God's will is not always evident to us, but it will always be good for us. And that just resonated with me this week, because I do not know about you, but there are times when that's true in my life. And there are times, as we just sang that wonderful song about the Waymaker, that, that generally I have difficulties seeing the will and the work of God generally when it feels like my life may be coming to the end of something. Maybe the end of a relationship or the end of a dream or, 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 or the end of something that matters to me or sometimes we, we just go, get so distraught that we wonder, is this the end? Am I coming to the end? And so uh, I just, those words stuck with me. They echoed with me this week about we're, we don't always see God's will, but we know it's always good for us. That takes a measure of faith to move into that. So I want to ask you as we begin the message this evening, I want you to think about a time in your life when you might have sensed or felt that this might be the end of the road. Now, you can take that in a number of ways, right? It can be simple things or it can be deep things. But but to move forward and to kind of understand what we're going to talk about with Naomi, I want us to identify with her. I I want us to think about a time in our life where maybe it was through a a, a moment of betrayal or a moment of loss or a a health setback or something significant in life where we wondered, is this the end of the road? Is this the end of life as I know it? And so tonight we're going to discover uh, a lady by the name of Naomi. And I think as we progress through tonight's conversation, I think we're going to find a lady. She doesn't say it in those words, but I think she begins to wonder, is this the end of the road? Pray with me. Father, we invite you into the conversation. We ask that your word comes alive in, to us, and through us. Father, we are alert. We thank you for the wonderful time of worship and getting our hearts softened and centered on you. Lord, we are receptive. We are honored to be here And we pray that as your word goes into us, that it produces fruit. It produces fruit, Father, that brings you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. In Ruth chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 22. So let's begin looking there in verse 14. The scripture says, And again they wept together. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, and you should do the same. Just a brief background here. We know that 
as we're introduced to the book of Ruth, we know that Naomi is married to a man named Elimelech. They have two sons. Because of a famine in Judah, they make their way to the land of Moab. While in Moab, we know that Naomi's two sons marry to Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. While there also tragedy hits, Elimelech and the two sons, they die. And so now in the process, we're picking up the story in verse 14, where, uh, where Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi now are going to make their way back to Bethlehem. And it's as if they start the journey. And then along the way, before they get too far down the road, it's as if Naomi stops and says, whoa, 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 you girls should stay here in Moab. In fact, she says, you, you should go back to your mom's house. And so uh, Orpah thinks about that for a moment, says, hey, that sounds like a, a really good idea. So Orpah goes back home. But we see that Ruth, in verse 15, Ruth right there talks about, no, 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 no. You, Naomi says, you should go back with your sister-in-law. You should do the same. Go the path that she's went. And, and Ruth says, no, I'm not going to go that way. And so here we begin to understand Ruth's incredible loyalty. Let's read on to verse 15. But Ruth replied. Now, I, I don't know about you, but not many times... In my life have I but replied to my mother-in-law. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, but Ruth replied. It's a beautiful reply, and I have an amazing mother-in-law. I think she's probably watching this. Hi, Mary. And so, uh, so but, but not many times do you, but you reply to your mother-in-law. So as you reply to your mother-in-law, you, you, you want to make sure that it's, it's honorable and, and it's meaningful, and that's what Ruth does with this, this amazing passage of devotion. Look at, look at Ruth's reply. She says, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. There I will be buried. May the Lord punish me ever so severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that, Ruth was determined to go with her. She said nothing more. She had no rebuttal against these amazing words of Ruth's devotion. And so here we see Ruth's devotion. And, and generally, if I officiate a wedding ceremony, I will have uh, the bride and the groom repeat these words. Now, I don't have the mother-in-law and, and <laughs> to repeat the words, but the bride and the groom, it is a, it's a beautiful passage of loyalty. And, and, and in the passage, as Ruth declares her devotion, notice that she declares it not only to Naomi, saying, wherever you go, I'm going with you. But she also declares it to God. Here, the, the, the author of, of Ruth uses the word Elohim. And so this is important to understand what Ruth is doing in the moment, because Ruth is a Moabite. Her primary deity is Kamash. And for all of her life, I'm guessing she has worshipped this false god, Kamash. But in this moment of of, of devotion in this lesson of loyalty, in this stunning picture of commitment and, and loyalty to her mother-in-law, she also turns the page spiritually. And she confesses from here forward that Naomi's God will be her God. It, it's a deep picture of devotion. It's actually a, a picture of God's covenant love for His people. So as we think about how does God love us? What is the depth of His love? What is the extent of His love? This declaration that Ruth shares with her mother-in-law actually is painting this wonderful picture of God's decorative love toward us. And so we have, we have Ruth with this amazing speech to Naomi, and the Bible says, well, Naomi didn't have anything else to say. But the story goes on, and now we begin to see Naomi's despair. 
Look there in verse 19, if you would, with me. Naomi's despair, the scripture says in verse 19. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. And someone said, some of the women says, is this really Naomi? Naomi, is it you? The gals were excited to see Naomi. So it's as if that they came to town, the people were excited, they stopped by Fry's to get a few things. As they stopped by Fry's, they were making their way down the produce aisle. Here's Naomi and Ruth, and she runs into some of the ladies that over 10 years ago, they used to be in the bridge club together. They played pickleball or whatever ladies do. And they ran into one another. In that moment, the, the, these ladies, there's an excitement, and, and then there's a question. Naomi? It, is that you? It's been over 10 years. Is, is that really you? And it's a, it's a, when, when, when one of the friends asks the question, the other lady, she pulls out her phone and she begins to look at Naomi's Facebook profile and think, she does not match that Facebook profile. Like, I don't think that's the same Naomi that I remember. It's been 10 years and in the conversation now, I'm actually reading a little bit into the story, a little bit between the lines, if that's okay. In the conversation, I can see one of the ladies asking, well, how's Elimelech and how are the boys? Have you ever ran into someone you haven't seen in a while? It was a little awkward and you ask a similar question, well, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And you ask the question because it's awkward and you want to be courteous. And you ask the question hoping you don't get a reply. But you've probably asked a similar question, Naomi, is that you? And how's Elimelech and how are the boys? And, and, and 30 minutes later, after you ask the question, you're wondering, why did I ask the question? You're getting more than you bargained for. You're getting TMI. I mean, you're just trying to be courteous. You're just trying to create a little conversation and move on. But you ask the question, and when you ask the question, you got more than you bargained for. That's kind of what I see happening here in the passage. They're excited to see Naomi. Ruth is standing there. They ask the question. As they ask the question, I think Naomi probably says, Elimelech and the two boys, they're dead. And then she begins to pour out her grief. She begins to share her pain. Let's look at the passage beginning in verse 20. Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty, he has made life very bitter for me. I, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. When, why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such tragedy up on me. I, I want you to look at the words here. I, I want you to see the descriptive words. In fact, Naomi uses four words in this descriptive passage of Scripture, and, and she's describing where she is, what she feels, the emotion of the moment. And, and she begins and says, first of all, she tries to change her name from, from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter. Now notice in, in, in the book of Ruth, I don't see Mara used anywhere else. She's having a difficult moment. And then she says, I'm bitter. The Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. 
That's what she's trying to say. Uh, then she says, you know what, that, that years ago, over 10 years ago, that Elimelech and I and the two boys, we, we left the, the land of, of Judah and we made our way to Moab and, and we made our way there because there was this famine in the land. But man, we were full. We were happy. Things were going well. And now the Lord has brought me back empty, empty. She goes on and says, the Lord has actually spoken against me. Same word for suffering. And then she ends the conversation and she says, the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. The word tragedy here in the Hebrew means he is breaking me into pieces. Can you feel the pain? Can, can, can you feel the, the suffering? I mean, and, and there's probably been a point in your life where Maybe all of those words, you couldn't connect them together in a, in a moment where you're wondering it's the end of the road, but, but she's being very descriptive of what she is describing. And, and, and do you think like Naomi might have just begun to wonder that Bethlehem could be the end of the road? She describes the situation. It's as if Naomi is on the verge of losing her faith in God. Looks like there's a crisis of belief going on here. I love what Dr. Fred, Frederick Bush says about the passage. He says, Naomi here does not evidence little faith, rather with the freedom of a faith that ascribes full sovereignty to God. She takes God so seriously that with Job, Jeremiah, even Abraham in Genesis 15, she resolutely and openly voices her complaint. With this robust example of honesty and forthrightness in the Old Testament's Theology of complaint. Our author depicts in somber and expressive hues the desolation, despair, and emptiness of the life of a woman left alone without her two boys and without her husband in a world where life depends upon men. Do you wonder if Naomi thinks Bethlehem is the end of the road? A crisis of belief possibly but notice what she does. She also describes God. She not only describes what's going on in her life, she describes God. Now, in the passage, she uses two words for, in Hebrew for God. First of all, she uses the word Shaddai. You've probably heard the Hebrew word El Shaddai. There was a song, El Shaddai. Was it Sandy Patty, maybe? Well, Amy Grant, same person, almost. <laughs> El, Shaddai, El Shaddai. Right. So you've heard that song, right? Shaddai means God Almighty. It means the overpowerer. So twice in the passage we just read there from, from, from 20 and 21, she uses the word twice, Shaddai, meaning this powerful, almighty uh, God. Second of all, she uses the word Yahweh. She uses that twice in the passage. Yahweh means uh, the, 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 the existent one, the, the self-existent one. It means the covenant God. It means relationship. So in the story, you'll see that uh, there in verse 21, she says, Hey, I went away full. I went away full, but the Lord, Yahweh, has brought me back empty. He, he's brought me home empty. Do you see the relationship there? She uses Yahweh when she's talking about that covenantal relationship with this God who, who they left full, but this God led her back home. She's empty, but she's home. She's empty, but she's home. And so she, she describes this, this relationship with God, this powerful, almighty overpowering God who is, who is covenantal in his relationship, and he brought her back home. And verse 22 is about his provision. Look, look at this. It's, 
This is an amazing verse. It's at the end of this chapter. It's as if the author, it feels like he kind of just attached it to the end of the reading, but it is an amazing verse. Look at verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. Now remember, Ruth has walked away from everything. Everything. She's walked away from her family. She's walked away from the faith that she knew. She's walked away from culture. She's walked away from country. She's walked away from everything. She's turned her back on it all. And here she shows up in Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, the young Moabite woman. The last sentence is where we see God's provision. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Sounds so unassuming. It's just the barley harvest. But that harvest speaks to God's provision, doesn't it? Not only the harvest, but we'll see in the, in the following pages in the next four or five weeks, there's not only a barley harvest, but we will also see a kinsman redeemer. I think what felt like the end of the road for Naomi was actually the beginning of redemption. What felt like the end of the road was the beginning of redemption. What can we glean from the passage, pun intended? What can we glean from the passage? A few things I want to take away as we wrap the conversation up. First of all, is that God's faithfulness is often manifested through His people. So when we think about God is faithful, that's the conversation out of the book of Ruth. We wonder, what, what, what does that look like? How, how is He faithful? There are many ways that God is faithful, isn't there? There are many ways that God is faithful. But in the story, in, in, in the text today, we see that God is faithful through His people. So, so think about a time in your life. Maybe you wondered, is it the end of the world, the end of the relationship, the end of the business, the end of the career? Maybe there was a time when you thought the end was there and you felt like it was consuming you. And maybe God sent someone into your life. Maybe a friend, maybe a phone call, maybe someone encountered you, maybe you ran into someone and, and it felt random, but maybe God had sent someone into your world to be faithfulness to you. That's what we see in the passage, right? Ruth is the faithfulness of God to Naomi. So when we talk about God's faithfulness in regard to chapter 1, what we see is that God's faithfulness is often manifested through His people. And by the way, you and I, followers of Jesus, we too are to be the expressions of God's faithfulness in others, right? We too can be that expression of God's faithfulness. Years ago, I have so many stories, but years ago... Uh, I, I, had, I was in Nepal, was invited there to look at some things and maybe launch a ministry. And the last night, I, I laid down uh, in Pastor Ashok's. He had a room there for me. I laid down in a bed, a very hard bed. And it was my last night there, and I laid down. And I remember kind of dozing off, thinking, okay, Lord, if you want us to do some work here, you're going to have to provide. You're going to have to provide. Specifically... What we need is we want to try to apply for a 501c3 tax-exempt status here in the United States. And it was X amount of dollars. And I remember laying down. I'm like, Lord, if you want it, we didn't have any money. If you want us to do this, you'll have to provide. And then I dozed off to sleep. <laughs> I dozed off like it was nothing. And I woke up the next day, made my way, was making my way home. 
stopped uh, you know, in another part of the world to see a buddy and spent the night with him, got up the next morning. I think he was taking me to the airport or somehow, and, and he said, oh, by the way, uh, my wife and I want to be a part of what you guys are doing in Nepal. He handed me a white envelope, and it had cash. And it was the amount needed for us to apply for the 501c3 here in the U.S. It's just one of those things. You're like, how is God faithful? He, he's faithful through people, right? He's faithful through his people. Uh, second thing I want you to take away is this is that in the passage we see that, that we can't lose sight of who God is. I mean, Ruth is having a difficult time, and rightfully so. She's had extreme loss in her, and Naomi's had extreme loss in her life. And, and up against that extreme loss, Naomi never loses sight of the power of God and His covenantal relationship with her. And, and, and there's a little bit of a, of a conversation with God. I don't know if you're that person, but... Naomi's not afraid to have a, a conversation with God. Remember, the author calls it a, a theology of complaint. And I'm one of those guys. I don't mind having a conversation with God. It makes my wife a little nervous. She's like, I'm going to step back. You keep talking. I'm going to leave the house. You're talking with God. And, and there's something about that, you know, that, that to be able to share and, and to, to tell God you're hurting and, and to tell God you, you, where you are, it's okay. I believe it's okay to do that. And, and we see Naomi doing that in the passage. But in the midst of all of that difficulty and her pouring out her pain, she never loses sight of who God is. And sometimes there's pain in the providence. Sometimes there's pain in the providence. You remember the story of Job, and, and you, you, you may be familiar with the story. He had actually lost everything that he had, and in chapter 2, uh, Job is like sitting around, and he's got these boils that have come up on his body, and he's actually scraping the boils, these open wounds, with, with pottery. I want you to just think about that. that. That's where we find Job. His wife comes to him in Job chapter 2, verse 9. This is what she says. Well, let me read verse 8. He, uh, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? She said, You should curse God and die. But Job replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. In the midst of, if you're wondering, is this the end of the road? Let's not forget the God whom we serve. His power, His covenantal relationship with us. The last thing I want us to take away from the passage is this, is that God is always faithful to provide. He's always faithful to provide. Here it's the barley harvest. It's the barley harvest, right? And I was like, oh, it's just the barley. It's important. It's the barley harvest. Uh, do me a favor. Just, uh, we're going to do this. Just a couple days ago, I went to the doctors to have a routine checkup. And, of course, he takes the stethoscope and he puts, puts it, you know, in places. And then he asks you to take a deep breath, right? Why don't you do that with me, right? Even if you're watching, let's take a deep breath. And I was doing it at the doctor's office the other day, and he, he's actually leading. <laughs> he's leading me in taking of the deep breath. I watch his hand, and he... Let's do it one more time. You ready? 
that breath came courtesy of God. Courtesy. He always provides. Here he provides with the barley harvest. He, he's providing eventually with a kinsman redeemer. And because God is faithful, what looked like the end of the road was actually the beginning of redemption. Christ has overcome everything that makes us feel like it's the end of the road. Does he not? Everything that we experience in life, he's already overcome everything, and he, including death. Because we think death is the, actually the end of the road. Death is not the end of the road, but for the believer, it's the beginning of the redemption that we find in Jesus Christ. And when Christ comes and, and, and he redeems us in this life, he redeems us from the brokenness, the bitterness, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, the tragedy. He turns the mourning into dancing. And that is a process because there are those days where we wonder, is this the end of the road? But let me remind you that Christ has overcome everything that makes us feel like it's the end of the road. For Naomi, can you imagine walking back into a town that you left full? You left that town full with husband and sons and, and your things, and you're coming back to town empty. What would that have felt like? You think there was maybe shame with that, and you think there was maybe regret with that, and do you think there's maybe some embarrassment with that? Probably. She probably thought, I'm coming back to home. I'm coming back to Bethlehem. And quite frankly, this may be the end of the road. But in the story, God is just beginning with his redemptive work. And out of this story, out of this story, I said it last week, out of this story, it is a direct connection of why you and I are here and why you and I have found Jesus Christ. It's directly related to her and Ruth walking back into that town, wondering, is this the end of the road? Friends, it's not. With Jesus, it's not the end of the road. He's overcome everything that makes us feel that way. It's the beginning of redemption. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, I pray for some of us in the room, and maybe we came into this room Maybe we're in that place right now where we're wondering, is this the end of the road? Is it the end of the relationship? Is it the end of, of the career? Is it the end of good health? Is it the end of financial security? Is it the end? If that's you, I want you to be encouraged that Jesus has overcome everything that makes us feel like it's the end. I'm not saying there's not difficulty. Naomi is a picture of what challenge and, 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 and struggle and despair look like. And my goodness, many of us in the room have been to that place. Maybe to not to that extent. Others of you may be further than where she was at. But I want you to look at Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, Jesus Christ, He is our Redeemer. He redeems us from the curse of the law. He redeems us from the broken things, the bitter things. He redeems us from the tragic things and He gives us this beautiful life. It's not an easy life. Many days it's a difficult life. But it's beautiful because He is our Redeemer.
So wherever we are tonight on this journey of faith, let me remind all of us from God's Word that our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer lives. And if you feel like you're coming to the end of the road, let me remind you that God is faithful. The provision is there. It's springtime and the barley harvest is coming. Father, bless your people. Encourage your people. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.